Welcome to the Gauteng Wholesale and Retail Seater Leadership Chairs podcast. Hosted at the University of Johannesburg's Department of Marketing Management, we have conversations with wholesalers, retailers, and industry experts from South Africa and around the world. We also speak with renowned researchers so that we can provide you with information that promotes excellence and advances the retail industry. A warm welcome to our podcast. I'm Dr. Beate Stiedemulder, the Leadership Chair for the Wholesale and Retail Center Gauteng, hosted at the University of Johannesburg. With me uh, today is my team member, Mahlatze. Hello. Uh, today's discussion is around the question, can companies afford to overlook informal retail? And our guest with us in studio is Christy Tawi, Research Manager at Euromonitor. Christy joined Euromonitor's Cape Town office as a research analyst in November 2012. She has since progressed to research manager since October 2018 for the syndicated research team at Euromonitor International. Her role is focused on managing analysts and overseeing research process in industries such as travel and tourism, retailing, consumer food service, digital consumers, beauty and fashion, home and tech and consumer finance in sub-Saharan Africa. Prior to Euromonitor, she also worked on consulting and research projects covering industries such as energy, manufacturing and mining in Zambia, Namibia, South Africa, Nigeria and Mozambique. Christy, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me on this platform. I think before we start, I would like to introduce Euromonitor to you and um, just kind of like highlight what is it that we do. We are a, a global strategic market intelligence company that has been around for more than 40 years. Uh, basically, in short, we are a consumer-focused company that provides annual research on over 30 industries. Some you've actually highlighted in my, as highlighted in my bio. This could include retailing. And this is basically in a number of countries. We have more than a thousand analysts in, in, in the countries that we cover. And we also provide customized ad hoc projects in every market around the globe. So that's an introduction from my side. Oh, that's fantastic. I must say, I'm a huge fan of Euromonitor and I'm very happy because we have a license at the university where we can access it for free. <laughs> because oh, that's good. That's one of the perks of being an academic because um, it does obviously come with a fee um, to, to get Euromonitor reports, but it is well worth paying for, I can tell you that. And they're always yes. very extensive and they've got lots of graphs and everything. So, Christy, that's all the more reason why I'm so grateful that we've got you in studio being able to talk to someone that has first-hand knowledge of all this incredible research that you do. So, Christy, let's get started. Can you elaborate on exactly what informal retailing is and what role it plays in sub-Saharan Africa's retail environment? Okay, let me start by saying that sub-Saharan Africa is, is a complex frontier market and that it continues to show strong growth in, 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 in many various industries especially when it comes to fast moving consumer goods and this is a and this is because of you know we've got a very rapidly growing consumer market as for retailing in the region it's also complex um and dynamic mainly due to variations in um socioeconomic development and when it comes to the types of retailing that you find in the region, this would include your informal, your traditional e-commerce and modern retailing. 
Now, in the in the case of informal retailing, I guess it's important that we actually understand what it is. Uh, and Euromonitor defines it as business conducted by non-registered or non-licensed retailers that are normally not reporting to tax authorities. These retailers also operate primarily, although not exclusively, as street hawkers or market stalls and informal shops, which also renders them more difficult to monitor than like your permanent outlets. Now, I begin by stating that our region is seen as a growth area, despite obviously, yes, we have a lot of socioeconomic challenges, but we are a growth area. And this is also because we are home to some of the world's um, fastest growing economies, making us one of the world's most attractive investment locations. Now, with this economic growth, we've seen urbanization, which obviously led to the development of channels such as modern retail. I'm sure we've seen the progression in, 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 in recent years. We have, we've seen a, a rapid increase in malls in the region. We've seen major international retailing brands coming into the region. South Africa, for example, you know, has around 2,000 shopping centers and, and is one of the retailing destinations, you know, in, in, in sub-Saharan Africa. But although this is true, modern retail only represents about 5 to 30% of total retail sales throughout the region. And yes, modern retail and online shopping have been increasing alongside, obviously, the traditional stores, but informal retail still plays an important role in the region. And there's a high rate of it in the region because of obviously factors such as low income consumers and things such as unemployment rate. But also, um, we're seeing this traders being very common in both urban and rural areas of the region. And if we look at observation that's coming on the ground, they indicate that most consumers in the region actually purchase goods through these channels, especially when it comes to food. And if we look at their trading space, for example, the structure, the size, and the and, and the permanence of those trading spaces, um, it varies greatly. Um, greatly, excuse me, with with the setting, uh, ranging maybe from as small as a one square meter to as large as thirty square meters. But in spite of this, right, their small footprint provides them, you know, with a, an advantage uh, advantage because it it enables them to be located near their customers can be located along, you know, transport routes and hubs and within local communities. At the same time, this proximity also includes them knowing their customers better, stocking their preferred uh, brands and products, and also offering them more uh, flexible payments uh, terms such as credit. As such, this is a very important and significant ch- uh, channel in, in, in the region. Sure. Very interesting. My my other question is, I was going to ask you, you know, in relation to modern channels, how large is the informal retail market? But from what you've said, I'm gathering that it is a lot larger than your modern channels. Yeah. According to our latest research on retailing in, in, in 2021, the retail uh, industry in sub-Saharan Africa, obviously without the informal sales, which would include what I just highlighted, traditional modern and e-commerce sales. We were looking at about 380 billion US dollars. Wow. However, if we exclude informal sales, what then is the size of that market? Um, well, while informal retailing, as I've highlighted earlier, that it plays a, a very important role in the regional retailing landscape, it is more difficult to quantify. Um, okay. So its value, it's unknown. But then what? There is information, however, to support the high prevalence of informal retail in the region. 
For example, statistics from the International Labour Organization suggest that informal employment in some countries in the region are basically accounts for, you know, more than 80% of total employment. Wow. And um, at the same time, the informal economy contributes more than 50% of the region's official GDP. I mean, this indicates it in, it, its importance. However, there are some markets that have data regarding the value of the market. And here in South Africa, uh, industry sources actually indicate that the informal food industry generates revenues of over 87 billion rents every year. I mean, this, I mean, all of the points that I've actually highlighted uh, right now demonstrate the significance of, of, of informal retail relative to the modern, um, let's say, food industry. Yes, yes. And, and then something which is always interesting to me is um, talking about regulation. So, I mean, informal retailing is really characterized by difficulty in regulating and controlling their activities. So what is your opinion about this this changing potentially as uh, more emphasis is placed on the region's role in retail? On the basis of current developments, this is expected to change. However, it's, it depends on the market or should I say country. Even though informal retailing is an important part of the retail system in, 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 in many countries, informal traders still remain outside of the regulatory framework and are generally not registered as businesses. And as a result of this, they are not responsible f- for complying with, um, let's say, financial or other reporting standards and regulation that may be imposed by you know, national governments. At the same time, we also shouldn't forget that many of the informal traders generate small amount of incomes that are, you know, below the tax threshold in many countries. Now, having said that, many countries are, however, recognizing and getting involved with informal retailers, and they're using a variety of approaches to basically develop policies and manage the market. For example, in uh, in several cities, um, we're seeing the creation of cancelled land zone for informal businesses activities and this is basically to bring some sort of order into the informal channel so as a result of this some traders are now actually required to pay a small daily monthly or annual fee to set up their style in this designated areas if i can give an example of one market in 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 uganda kampala for example the fee ranges from 50 cents to $1.50 us dollars per day but obviously this depends on the size of the informal structure so there is some form of regulation that is being introduced to the sector okay and do you see do you foresee this for south africa in particular as well i think south africa is one of those countries that have special demarcated you know land zone uh places for informal uh, which is much more organized than, you know, than, than the rest of the, re- within some countries and the rest of the region. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, if you were to go on the city of Cape Town website, for example, there is something uh, where informal retailers can actually register to get a, a spot in one of the, you know, the, the, the spaces um, that have been specially demarcated for. So, yeah. Okay. Um, there is progress. Okay, interesting. Then tell us about consumers. You mentioned that a limited uh, disposable income is one of the reasons informal retailing is popular in the region. So does this mean the channel is popular because it targets consumers at the bottom of the pyramid? I always find this question interesting because um, despite uh, prevailing misconceptions, um, the informal retailing channel basically serves consumers of all income groups throughout the region. I mean, 
considering that the penetration of modern retailing in the region ranges from 5 to 30%, it shouldn't be surprising that many middle-class African consumers, for example, also frequent informal markets, especially in areas where modern retail is, 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 is scarce. Another reason informal retailers are preferred channels for purchasing goods in the, in the region is their ability to adapt to consumers' preferences and purchasing power. Um, and this is especially true in, in, in township, rural areas and informal settlements. So it's a popular channel for consumers from all economic group and also because of the convenience, um, the credit-based uh, payment flexibility that they offer, the fresh foods, the lower prices, and also personalized service that, uh, you know, that they give. And um, I think if we were to look at some of the, the sources that are coming from, you know, industry sources, they basically indicate that informal channels make up about we're saying 30 to 90% of food sales in, in different countries in the region. And obviously this depends on the country. So everyone is shopping at this channel. It's not just your, your low income consumers. Okay. That's, that's very interesting. And then tell me, what about products? Are the products found in informal channels? Are they different from those found in formal and modern channels? Let me use food as an example. With regard to informal food retailers, they they often um, sell small packs of you know household goods that may include I mean this can be um, bread, maize meal, cooking oil, soft drinks, fresh foods, and unpackaged foods. Uh, but in general, food inventories are constrained by shelf space, so hence they are mostly dominated by essential products. Um, they also stock a diverse supply of obviously indigenous food that obviously attract a wide range of consumers. For example, if I want Mopana worms, where can I find it? You know, it's unlikely to be in your average local supermarket while we know that it's, it's, it's a local delicacy. So there are so many of such offerings which are particularly attractive to households um, across a range of income levels and which modern grocery stores probably may, may shun. However, apart from obviously informal, you, you know, having a lot of unpackaged um, food. We also find a variety of packaged and processed food in the informal retail sector. However, as I mentioned earlier, the inventory is usually limited and consists of mainly um, entry-level products. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so tell me, um, if we look at competitiveness, you mentioned that informal retailers also sell packaged and processed uh, foods, for example. Uh, which are similar to products stocked by the formal channels. So in what ways are informal retailers then competitive? In a way, we can say that informal retailers can be seen as something that's similar to convenience stores in their offering, um, especially that they focus on affordability. And since affordability is an important factor in the development of, you know, any African market strategy based on, you know, of the, of the incomes, majority of incomes in, in the region, this makes them competitive. And in addition to what I said earlier, the offerings of convenience, credit-based uh, payment flexibility and uh, personalized service, these retailers also achieve price competitive um, through repackaging or maybe bulk breaking products into smaller portions at, at affordable unit prices that would cater to the needs of, you know, individuals, obviously with limited disposable income. 
I think an example that we can use is that it's it's common for unpackaged grains, for example, to be priced by comparison with the recycled tins, which are obviously we've seen around the markets they're being used as a unit of measurement. And I think we can learn a great deal from this if, if you're a company wishing to enter the, the market, because it's not only distribution strategies that companies must take into consideration when, when selling in this market, but also the format and the, and the size of the product that ensures that the consumers who shop in this channel will re- basically receive the best value for their money. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then um, in terms of company strategies, then what, what are companies doing to serve the informal retail market? Those seeking to enter the African market in general cannot cannot rely only on modern retailing to succeed. So what I'm trying to say is that a one-size approach obviously does not work for a diverse market such as Africa. So a holistic approach to entering the market should take into account both formal and, 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 and informal retailing. Um, and in this view, uh, we're actually seeing uh, companies across a wide range of industries that are increasingly recognizing, you know, the benefit of the informal channel and are making efforts to participate. So we've seen companies in, in, in financial services, we've seen food companies, home care, and, and other fast-moving consumer categories coming into this this channel. So many of these companies are adapting their portfolios for the, you know, both for the formal and informal markets. And um, this includes whether we're looking at product development, whether we're looking at packaging, whether we're looking at type of distribution structure and pricing. So yeah, there are lots of companies that are basically um, doing a lot to serve the informal market. Okay. I think, yeah, what I wanted to ask you is examples of, of success case studies. I don't know if there's maybe one or two particular examples that you can provide us with, you know, where pro- predominantly focused on the formal sector company now successfully implemented, you know, kind of informal retail strategies or or worked, you know, with these kinds of retailers. If there's maybe like a case study you can share with us. Um, There's so many examples, but I'll give two short ones, also focused on South Africa. I mean, there are lots from across the region. A few years ago, I'm sure we're all familiar with the Pamela brand. Um, what they did is that they designed individually wrapped cheese slices for the quarter market in South Africa. And together with the, uh, the local quarter providers within the township, they were able to convince them to substitute the poloni with Pamela cheese. So in the end, customers were eventually asking for you know, fed cook with palm when ordering a quarter dish, for example, because of the way that she smelted in, in, in these dishes. And, and those individually wrapped cheese slices were perfect fitting for, you know, that type of market. So within the first year of imp- implementation, um, the brand generated over 480 million rent, you know, just from the quarter wow. township market. So this basically shows that working with informal market can also be, uh, you know, a very effective way in increasing the popularity of a product or brand. Then since Pamelot, I've given an example of Pamelot, which is food. Let me give you an example of um, financial services. So we have uh, a company called uh, Nomanini. They're basically a fintech platform that connects retailers, micro, small and medium-sized businesses with financial service provider. And in addition to that, they offer um, you know low-cost and alternative banking services to informal retailers. Nomanini also leverages its, its, its relationship across the, you know, fast moving consumer goods value chain. So in this case, Nestle 
partnered with Nomanini and Sarab Bank to basically provide um, working capital to informal retailers. In this way, it enabled them to get access to a variety of high-quality products. Now, this capital is, is, is offered in the form of physical stock rather than cash. Mm. So based on this, on this platform as well, uh, Nomanini also generates a credit score for the informal retailers. So a retailer will be offered an, an unsecured loan by Nestle in the form of stock upon approval, obviously. So through this partnership, um, informal retailers will be able to obtain the working capital, obviously, that they require to, to expand their businesses without having to, you know, open a, a bank account or, or, or visit um, a branch. So it, it is quite evident that through all of these examples that manufacture or any company can better position their brands in sub-Saharan Africa's informal sector by actually not overlooking this channel, but recognizing its, 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 its importance. This also means that they need to be, you know, overlook all the myth, myths about who shops at informal retail and invest in understanding the interaction of, you know, economics, the supply chain condition, consumer preferences, preferences and obviously the local culture. Wow, I really, really like those case study examples. There's so much creativity um, and innovation there. <laughs> it really is smart. Um, I'm also wondering about payments um, with the case studies that you've given us. We know that financial service providers are included in the list of companies investing in informal retailers. Given the low number of banked individuals in the region, what role does the informal sector play in the payments list? landscape i think one thing that we we should know is that cash remains the most common method of payment across the region in all channels basically obviously despite obviously people you know being concerned about theft and counterfeit notes being a, an issue in the region but cash dominates and in markets such as nigeria it accounted for about 80 percent of all transactions in 2021 now we basically lag behind other regions when it comes to financial inclusion. And considering that informal retailers have, you know, they've become an essential partner to driving economic growth because they, they also get a lot of support from, should I say, continuous support from the lower income groups. So at the same time, they're a great partner for increasing financial inclusion in, 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 in the region. So we've seen the informal retail sector becoming a, a distribution point for, you know, for several financial services such as payments and remittances. And, and if we also look at in countries where they have a structured maybe banking industry, there's fierce competition, especially at the upper end of the market. So many institutions are also looking at the informal economy or informal businesses as an attractive target for expansion. So due to this, we, we, we've seen leading financial companies such as maybe MasterCard and Visa that are basically developing products designed to meet the needs of, you know, of the informal sector. So we, especially when you see that there's an emerging trend where uh, more operators like MasterCard are working with, you know, with the fintech to expand the reach, their reach. Uh, I'm sure we've heard of M-Pesa, which is like one of the biggest mobile money service uh, in, in, in Africa. You know, what they do is that they, they, they have a, an agent model where most of this agent 
that Ampesa agents are basically informal retailers. So informal retailers are playing a key role in terms of expanding uh, financial inclusion in the region. Hmm. That um, that is very interesting. I was also wondering in terms of um, route to market, developing a route to market strategy obviously requires an understanding of how and where products are consumed and purchased. So from where do informal retailers um, acquire their products? You know, what lessons and opportunities are maybe available to companies looking to find the most efficient way to deliver their products to consumers throughout the region? Many of the informal channels in the region are, are, are stocked by a complex, um, you know, network of players such as uh, distributors, agents, um, manufacturers, like the brands behind the producers of the brands, farmers, wholesalers, cash and carry, or maybe warehouse clubs. Uh, an example of a warehouse club is in South Africa. The brand that we're familiar with is um, Macro. And, and sometimes um, supermarkets and hypermarkets. Now, you can see that the supply chain is often, you know, highly fragmented. So there's a need to, you know, to have very innovative distribution strategies, you know, to be able to reach the consumers efficiently and, and, and effectively. So for anyone to actually come into the market, um, lesson learned is that in order to increase your market presence in a cost-effective manner, you need to partner with a well-established uh, local market that is also well-established across the, the, the value chain. Mm-hmm. Okay, then um, I think to conclude, just a last question is the way forward. So considering what you've stated, it is evident um, that obviously the informal sector is not going anywhere anytime soon. So do you have any final advice for companies that wish to enter the region? Yeah, to conclude, I think I can just go back to the point that the retail market in, 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 in sub-Saharan Africa is complex, which makes reaching underserved population through, let's say, intermediaries a, a very important strategy to consider. Another thing is that sustainable growth requires the, you know, the development of diverse products and services that, you know, should take into account the needs of the different socioeconomic uh, groups. And since informal shopping is an integral part of, 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 of the region's food economy, for example, and consumer shopping habits and preferences, it will not disappear anytime soon. It's going to be here for a long time. Additionally, this is not just an African phenomenon, as it's also prevalent in other emerging markets such as Asia, you know, and, and, and South America. And as we discussed earlier, Modern retail penetration pre- represents about five to, you know, to thirty percent of the total retail landscape in the region. So, all of this factor indicate that the, the informal sector provides, you know, considerable market potential for, you know, for businesses that wish to increase their distribution network, and you know, deliver their products to the growing consumer market in the region. So, therefore, understanding how and 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 where a brand's uh, product is consumed in the region as well as the types of informal traders and their specialities can assist, um, you know, companies or brands in, in, in developing a more targeted product offering, which is, you know, very critical for determining a successful, you know, route to market strategy. Furthermore, I think to, to end off uh, this session, I can say an informal retail strategy is as important as a modern, modern retail strategy. Hmm. 
Fantastic. Sure, we really learned a lot. So, Christy, thank you so much. It was great to have you today. Really lots of learnings to take home. So, thank you very, very much. To our listeners, keep visiting our website. It's www.uj.ac.za forward slash WRCTA to find more podcasts focused on promoting our collective knowledge of the retail industry. Take care. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.